FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Welcome to Castaway FIS's Freight and Commodity Podcast. I'm Chris Hudson and it is Wednesday the 25th of August. In an annoyingly overcast day again, Kerry. <laughs> Yet again. Uh, as we've discussed Getting before we starved, started recording. starved for vitamin D here in London. You are looking yeah, a bit exactly. pale. <laughs> I feel like I need to get onto boots, get you some extra vitamins just to get you through uh, the rest of the day. But um, I'm joined by Theo and joined by Kerry. We're going to go an overview of our main markets for you, uh, what's happened in the last week. But first of all, news, then indexes, and then a bit more in depth of what we've seen. In the news, uh, Joe Biden came under increased scrutiny over his decision to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. Scrutiny is a polite term. <laughs> it's a yeah, polite podcast. Diplomatic there, yeah. <laughs> Fears of Chinese demand eased as it seemed that they, they had got under control outbreaks of the Delta COVID-19 variant. Uh, the UK has ordered 35 million more Pfizer COVID vaccines ahead of its autumn top-up jab plans. And executives have warned of growing container ship shortages despite a recent surge in new vessel orders. And of course, the Paralympic Games began in Togo despite the increase in virus cases there. But let's look at what the market segments have done week on week. This is looking Tuesday the 17th versus yesterday, Tuesday the 24th. Uh, according to FIS reports, Brent doesn't seem to uh, show what's actually happened in the week, but uh, we are up 1.3%. Uh, from 69.73 to 70.63 closing yesterday. Uh, the fuels across high sulfur and very low sulfur have all followed suit and have risen as well, up 2.2% on the ROT 3.5%, 3.7840. Sing 380, 3.9940 up 3.51%. The ROT 0.5% up 204 at 489.15. And the Sing 0.5, 510.40 up 2%. Uh, the high fives are both exactly the same, 111, 111. Uh, with the rock rising 1.8 and this thing falling 3.5%. Uh, Kerry, what about the freight indexes? The Cape Size 5 TC average is at 51,472. That's up 10,423 bucks or 25.4% in the past week. Uh, Panamax 4 TC average at 33,279. That's up 2,063 bucks or 6.6%. And Theo, what about the, uh, the old iron ore? <laughs> Hold on to your hats. The uh, plat 62%. <laughs> Yesterday was at $148.60, down $10.90, so that's close to 7% week on week. The fast market 65% was $166.10, which is down $22.60, which is down about 12%. And the uh, spread 65.62 is now at $17.50, down $11.70, which means it's down 40% week on week. Wow. Yeah. That spread has come well in as that uh, as that market fell. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. The uh sixty five is like a massive fall. Cool. Well, let's let's round off the indexes and get into what's been happening there. But yeah. um on the tankers, we've been down six point two percent in the TC two hundred uh closing, one three two eighty six in the TC five, down five point eight percent. T3C still around exactly the same levels, <laughs> those low thirties, minus one point two percent at closing. 3134, sorry, up 1.2%, 3134 closing. And TD25 again, non mover, 0%, 7042 week on week. Uh, and then going into the carbon markets, the EUA futures, that's of course the compulsory European market, was last week 57 euros 23, and it closed yesterday at 5664, or down 1.03%. And on the voluntary, what have we got there, Theo? Young voluntary markets, the uh, CMEGO, which is the global emissions offset, 
Uh, the December 21 contract is at uh, $5.17 and the December 22 is at $5.27, that's US dollars. And the NGO, the nature-based uh, global emissions offset contract, December 21 is at $6.80, which the December 22 is $6.94, both in contango, of course. And if anyone obviously wants to find out more about specifically the voluntary side, then do listen to last week's episode uh, where we do delve a lot more into what you can get with the, the voluntary markets, what that means and what it is relative to the compulsory EUA future market. But let's bring into the market. We saw those indexes and it seems that the title of Nostradamus has passed from Theo to <laughs> Kerry after your predictions last week. I, I, yeah, I, I pointed out last week that the Chinese market looked structurally very, very weak, given the fact that steel prices were actually falling at the same time as steel production was being reined in by the government. Um, um, and, you know, I have to say it was well-timed. <laughs> it, uh, it certainly dumped uh, shortly after that alongside most of the commodity markets, but with iron ore taking a particularly sharp hit on the, on last Thursday. I mean, Theo, what's, what's been the driving forces behind that in your, in your eyes? Um, well, last year we did have last Thursday that you've uh, pointed out was a massive drop in the indexes, probably the largest fall of, in memory, actually. The plus yeah. two, the plus 62 was down $22.85 and the, the fast market 65% was down $27.30 from a day prior on the index. Um, yeah, it seems as though that, that uh, it all came from the steel story and um, that actually just caused that uh, massive drop. I mean, of course, along with um, you know, the spectrum of commodities across the board, I mean, it was the sort of metal markets going the same way, uh, oil went the same way on that, that, that particular day. So I don't, don't think it's just entirely just an iron ore story in that respect. No, there was a broader sell-off. There was a broader sell-off. Are we out of the woods yet, though? Because it's been bouncing back a little bit this week. Um, wow, fair amount, actually. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like, you know, I'm not going to say dead cat bounce, but it's maybe a little kitty cat bounce. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I also suspect this is a dead cat. Well, de yeah, I, I will say dead cat bounce, but... Uh, dead kitten bounce. Yeah, dead kitten bounce, maybe, yeah. Dead kitten bounce. It's, it seems like it has stayed up a little bit in the... Uh, well, yesterday and today, it seems. It seems like... I mean, yeah, China has improved in a certain extent with their COVID and vaccination on the vaccination front. Uh, and as we know, like you know, China is commodities and that's what it's all about. So everyone's eyes are on, on China, what they're doing next. And then, then you'll find where you'll, you'll be comfortable with saying this is a floor or you know, there's, a, there's a greater sell-off. Um, there were announcements out of China about, you know, loosening credits and trying to benefit the, the economy. But then um, Goldman Sachs came out the legendary Goldman Sachs, and I gave a report last week that um, that they expect the Chinese government to continue to continue its zero tolerance policy at least through the end of the year. So maybe that has something to do with it as well, which also impacts steel. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm not sure I'd be convinced that this is the time to go sort of bargain hunting for for the iron ore futures right now. I mean, especially given. You know, the Chinese government, as you just said, I mean, and as Goldman's pointed out, has made no secret about the fact they intend to keep production to last year's levels or close to it. And, and therefore, that implies, you know, an ongoing severe crackdown on, on steel production levels this year. Yeah, yeah there was. Uh, you know, and so in a, in a way, those steel mill margins, we need to be careful here because they'll still be very, very high and probably even go up as steel well, production is restricted. Well, but, they are actually. They're, they're, they're at twelve hundred RMB. The future still, yeah, well, there we go. still quite healthy, really. 
And so, yes, I mean, obviously that would normally encourage a massive uptick in production, but, you know, is the government actually going to allow that to happen? It, it sounds like the noise is coming from the, the PRC or that they don't, do not want to, do not yeah, want that to happen. I, I totally agree. The regulatory risk does persist. And the property sector is probably in particular that remains that target, which would mean, you know, maybe Beijing will be reluctant to cut rates to cushion the economy. So that's probably had the effect as well. So you put all these things together, and that's what I think has uh, created this move in this market in the last week. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. It's a fascinating spot to be in right now. I mean, I've I've heard various predictions from various people I talk to in the market, ranging from sort of seventy dollars to. Uh, to $170, uh, you know, on where the market's going to be later this year. So, I mean, you know, nice wide bracket there. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a quite close look at that, uh, the spread between 65 62, which collapsed at 40 cents week on week, and now we're down at uh, $17.50. It seems that has come, of course, from production easing levels, which is due to policy, like we talked about, but it's also due to weather. It's also due to seasonality too. So once, or if we do see production expand, you expect that 65% though to increase again, and but 65% is a niche market, so it does, you know, it does, it is affected by sometimes by dramatic moves. But um, shipments from Brazil also, when I looked at the fundamentals, have been increasing, and that's sort of like yeah. taking out that story about shortage of uh, of shipments. So there's a few things to keep a close eye on at the moment. Yeah, and, and the Brazilians, you know, I mean, we've seen that increase rippling through the freight markets too, which we can get yeah. to in a minute. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. there we go. It rolls on quite ni- ne- neatly to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. go carry. I mean, well, I, I have to say it's been a week uh, for, for sharp calls on this podcast. We also stated last week that the owners uh, uh, for Cape Sizes in the Atlantic and indeed throughout the Cape market could soon see their patience rewarded uh, as the market looks strong enough to push up further and and. Sure enough, it has. It, it soared upwards, jumping over 25% week on week. The C5 West Aussie China with iron ore uh, was fixing at $16 by Monday after several days of explosive rises. The C3 hit an extraordinary $36.40 on Monday, the C3 being the Brazil-China route with iron ore. So as you were just mentioning, um, on the back of huge cargo demand and frankly, just not that many balusters headed towards Brazil. Um, you know, again, these are levels... Uh, on these routes, um, particularly on the C3, we really haven't seen, as I can recall, in, in probably a decade, just about. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's notable to be up in the, the sort of high 30s here. Um, the physical market did begin to cool yesterday. An Australian major was heard fixing a vessel for C5 at $15.85, while a Brazilian miner was heard to take a vessel for C3 on index dates at 35 bucks. So, you know, and uh, one thing that's interesting here on the Cape market is that the front end paper contracts never actually saw quite the same level of enthusiasm as the physical market did. Um, They did not follow the physical index upwards. Indeed, the September paper peaked on Monday at 48,500 for the Cape 5 TC. That's a significant discount to where the spot index was over two grand below where the spot index was then. So, you know, the paper came off sharply yesterday as rumors of lower physical fixtures emerged. And this morning, it's actually trading on the September contract, uh, 45750 about 500 bucks below where we were last week at this time. So, you know, the Q4 as well, sitting 36800 about 700 bucks down on where we were this time last week. So it's, it's something notable, I think, that the paper, having effectively led the market up for the past few weeks, um, actually did not join in this explosive rise and follow the index up. Um, you know, uh, 
during the past week. Um, and I wonder if that's a little bit telling on where people see the limits of this market. But, uh, you know, it's certainly worth watching. Uh, Panamax has had a much more sedate week overall, again, racking up fairly steady gains on the index, especially since late last week. Uh, the Pacific's been fairly tight. Uh, East Coast South America cargo and even some Black Sea cargo draining tonnage from Southeast Asia. Uh, and that caused rates to jump ex-Indonesia yesterday in particular, with LMEs achieving high 30,000s for their shorter Indo rounds. Uh, a growing cargo list for the NOPAC round is also offering some support in the Pacific. Looking towards the Atlantic, the, uh, the tonnage list is thinning very much off the continent uh, and uh, looking a little thinner in the Black Sea as well suggesting some support there too. The September Panamax 4TC trading 36.875 this morning, according to FIS Live. That is uh, actually um, only marginally up about uh, about uh, eight or 900 bucks up on where it was last week this time, while the Q4 trading 34,000 this morning up about a thousand bucks week on week. Cool, thank you, Karen. Be interesting to see where that moves and we've been discussing about the iron ore and what potential that has for Chinese government restrictions and going forward, but also we've discussed yeah. previously with the freight market and as outlined in the, the first news story about containers, but this is a story which runs through yeah. the shipping market generally that they potentially have got great rates this moment. And oh, yeah. are we going to have another moment of where we'll be building ourselves out of a sustained? Well, this is interesting because the container tightness that's seeing rates surge also tends to affect the smaller sizes on the dry bulk ships. So what, we, what you're seeing happen, what we have already seen happen this year to some degree, and what we can probably assume will happen even more so, is that as there's that shortage of container space um, on the backhaul routes, effectively going from China to Europe, um, and to some degree China to the States, um, anything that can be loaded into general cargo ships, smaller handies, and even to some degree smaller Supras um, will be. Um, and so, uh, a sort of a, a reverse containerization process where, uh, where people are taking their goods out of containers and just, you know, uh, shoving them onto, uh, the smaller dry bulk sizes, um, to try and get them, uh, you know, from, from China to, uh, to Europe and the far East to Europe. So, you know, I think that's, that's definitely worth watching is that'll provide some sort of bottom up support for the, the dry bulk markets. You know, um, it's, it's interesting to watch it sort of from both sides, the Cape soaring due to the iron ore, but uh, shipments out of Brazil, but, uh, but uh, and that the argument smaller will, ships getting some, some backing from the kit. And, and that argument will lend credence to the, we're going to see potentially sustained period of decent rates. Uh, exactly, exactly. And, you know, when I say that, you know, we may have seen the paper maybe calling a bit of a top here, you know, in terms of not following the index up that much, you know, let me put that in context, though. I'm not suggesting for a second this market's going to collapse. Um, you know, it's very much very much looking like, you know, we have a, you know, in, in the medium term, some very healthy statistics in terms of fleet growth, not being too high in terms of demand looking fairly healthy across the board. So, um, yeah. And, th and then that pressure from the containers. So, and the circular knock on of having high prices for iron or therefore high steel prices and therefore high ship prices. Well, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, continue to watch the space, but I don't think anyone's looking for any severe collapse on the, uh, on the dry bulk freight rates in the near, near term. Oh, we have to rename you this week. <laughs> but going on to our final product, oil and products, we've seen a real topsy-turvy week in the oil markets. <clears throat> Large movements in crew pushing prices uh, of oil and products kind of all over the place. Uh, we collapsed into the end of last week, which we noted that kind of Thursday where prices were slumped to a three-month low 
uh, on the end of Thursday, ending below 66 bucks, uh, having been above 69 uh, on Wednesday. So significant movement down there. And this collapse led to fuel prices losing some 20 bucks uh, on their value and on gas oil even more, around about 26 bucks. So both the oil benchmarks um, ended last week, posting their steepest declines uh, since October last year. Uh, and a lot of this was growing done because of growing concerns of the clusters of Delta variant in China, outbreaks globally and the, globally and the strengthening US dollar also threw into that uh, problems of, of depressing prices. However, despite that, we did get some positive news last week as well. Um, of course, we had the EIA data, again, posting a significant draw on crude levels, minus 3.2 million, uh, building gasoline 0.7, but again, another draw on distillates of minus 2.7 million. If you look at the API, which came out last night, again, we are seeing uh, a draw predicted across all the grades there, in crude, in Cushing, in gasoline and in distillates. Polled experts had said that they expected stockpiles to fall by 2.7 million, but the the API has come out and said it's going to be a minus 1.62 million prediction. So we'll see what happens in terms of the the EIA actual figures later this afternoon. But some positive news there that things seem to be continuing to chug along nicely in the US market, at least. We also helped with positive news coming into this week. So we had that fall off on Thursday and then coming into this week, we have recovered quite dramatically again back up to those 70 levels and that was obviously helped by the fact that uh, China did report that it had zero COVID cases for the first time since July uh, and also it drew support from the FDA's approval of mm. Pfizer vaccine in the US full yeah. approval now uh, to help with uh, demands for, for global recovery and the, that push towards a global vaccination uh, and a, a weaker dollar also buoyed Brent. Uh, that was yesterday morning, and we, we significantly recovered and have posted levels for a couple of days now over that seventy bucks level again. So it seems it was more of a crisis of confidence for a few days before recovering back up to those seventy yeah. bucks levels again. I mean, exactly. I think people are looking looking for the upside now, aren't they? A little bit, um, even in the states. Yeah, I can't claim the foresight powers. Or- <laughs> Of Kerry and Theo on this, but um, we we did say that we'd be seeing those levels around the kind of sixty seven range for a significant while now, and yeah, all those things that were coming in, the general collapse in commodity prices that we saw on those Thursday was also replicated in those in those oil markets. But conversely, we have seen quite a a strong move on the crack. So usually, get an inverse relationship between the crack and crude because. Crude is a, a product in the making of fuel, yeah. therefore lower prices would mean you get higher margins, so inverse. But despite that rise back up to 70, we have seen a sustained level in the high sulfur crack levels. So it does seem that the, those product levels will be maintaining their value much more relative to the way they were prior to the to the collapse. And some other good news on that front was some compliance levels for OPEC, even after the relaxing of measures, was 109% in July. The only time where you can actually physically over, yeah, um, get over that hundred percent, and it'd be a fairly decent thing and to be legitimate. Um, but that was reported by Argus on Thursday, uh, citing the internal report of the group. And th- this is a decline from one hundred thirteen percent in June, but the overall levels are still pretty decent. This is after the unwinding of the last uh, four hundred thousand barrels per day of part of the the agreement they've had for so long now. The the entirety of this podcast in a couple of years more, probably. Uh, on <laughs> yeah. things. 
But some news to to kind of just add on to that before looking at a bit of the physical. The the U.S. Department of Energy did announce a sale of up to 20 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to be released in Q4. Uh, so it's something to watch when those go in and whether anything else comes in. Because I know that they've been pushing for OPEC to produce more uh, oil uh, just to keep those prices down with gasoline prices rising in the U.S., which is always a big political issue. Yeah. Coming into, um, we've got... What was it be? Midterms next year. Midterms next year, exactly. So there's Congress, something you want to keep, so, yeah. keep low. Uh, but then to, to round off with the physical, uh, with that rise in crude prices, we saw sharp gains, especially in Singapore, uh, with a very low sulfur surpassing the $500 mark again after dipping to a two-month low last Friday. So really, really dropped off, but again, back over that $500 mark that we're so used to for the uh, very low sulfur fuel. In Houston, we did see actually losses uh, on all those products there for very low sulfur fuel oil and uh, low sulfur marine gas oil um, were due to lower price stems in the U.S. Gulf port. And then just to look uh, to Japan, which has also uh, been affected uh, by prices, but this by uh, Typhoon, which has been disrupting port operations. And as a result, uh, availability of fueling has been kind of had a knock-on effect uh, and now delivery around about 10 days, so up several days from uh, what would be usual for delivery of bunkers causing problems there. So, yeah, all over the place, really, on the oil markets, but we've ended around about the same as we were week on week. Disguising, disguising the movement uh, during the week, yeah. Cool. But any final points, uh, Theo or Kerry, before we finish this week? Um, no, pretty much done. All good. Well, what's the prediction next week, Kerry, then? Well, let's put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> you made a massive point of, of being right this week. What's it going <laughs> to go next For the week? iron ore or the freight? Which would you like to do? Um, for the freight, I think I think we'll cool down a little bit from here. But like I said, hopefully nothing too dramatic. But uh, but let's watch. Cool. Do I dare <laughs> ask you, Theo? Yeah, I think on the it's, time, it's time to buy some cheeky calls in Q4 in, on the iron ore market. Mm, there we are. Interesting. But, but, bottom draw sort of stuff. There we go. I thought we were going to be popping up to around about 71 on the crude. So we, we all got points to answer we next let's week. See, let's see what happens next uh, week. But to everyone listening, tune in next week to see if we are correct on our predictions <laughs> again. Uh, and if we aren't, then you can uh, yeah. see why uh, as we discover <laughs> exactly. what's been going on in those products. But uh, do listen next week. And thank you to Theo and thank you to Gary. Cheers. Thanks,